Hey there, and welcome to Blazing the Path, hosted by Rob Hetherington. This is a Portland Trailblazers podcast by a fan for the fans. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Blazing the Path with Rob Hetherington and Joel Lincoln. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Knuck If You Buck, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, and the LA Hoops Report, plus our coaching-focused podcasts. Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 5 of Blazing the Path, the Portland Trailblazers podcast, hosted by yours truly. Rob Hetherington and Joel Lincoln. Hey, Rob, how are we doing this week? Had a little preseason over the weekend. Did you get a chance to check it out? Sure did. It was an exciting win for the Blazers. There we go. Yeah, that was a little bit different seeing it uh, on TV, living, you know, less than five miles away. I run by there a couple mornings a week. And then, you know, you see it and there's games going on, but you're not allowed in. It's definitely a different feeling this year. You're probably going by wondering if you could sneak in somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the problem is if you sneak in, I think you're going to get spotted pretty quick. Oh, God, yeah, and they'll probably ban you for life with COVID. Yeah, yeah, but hey, I'm glad that, I'm glad hoops are back, man. It's going to be good. I think it's, we've got, as we've talked about before, we got a lot to be excited for for the Blazers this year as they're trying to take that next step. Sure do. We got Nurkic back, baby. Yeah, we got Nurk coming back, and we talked about the offseason acquisitions, and I just wanted to start with one thing as I've kind of been – you know, getting ready for this podcast and getting ready for this year, kind of just seeing what's what are the guys saying? Because as you know, it's a players driven league and seeing what the players say, because obviously there's everybody has their expectations. But, you know, from Dame, there's been a few things he said. And he's always been pretty true. You know, as when he says something, he doesn't he doesn't speak lightly. So for um, just a quick quote from him, he said, for me, it's just, you know, let's give ourselves a real shot. And, you know, I wanted to, to give it up. I know I want it all. And I've been transparent about that with him. Um, meaning Neil O'Shea, um, quote, we've done about everything. I've been swept a few times. We've been out in, out in the first round. We've been in the second round. We've been to the Western Conference Finals. Um, in the last three years, what he's talking about this year, I was with the bubble, unique year, got bounced by the Lakers in five. Um, the, in 2019, the last uh, year outside of the bubble, when they made it to the Western Conference Finals as a three, so they knocked out OKC. With, that was a Paul, famous Paul George and Wessel Westbrook where Dame hit the shot and then waved him home, then beat Denver in that seven-game series before being swept um, by Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Of course, that was you know catching a dynasty right there. And then in 2018, when they were the, uh, the three-seed previously, they got swept, if you recall, by the own uh, by the Pelicans with Anthony Davis the last year he played, so that was heartbreaking. I remember going home from playing real basketball, excited to watch game one. I can't remember which games they got blown out in in that series, but I remember coming home being like, "Okay, it's just one nothing, just one nothing." I'm like, "Okay, it's two nothing." This is a little unexpected because this Pelicans team's like a six or seven seed. I'm like, "Fuck, it's three <laughs> zero." Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I think. You know, it's curious looking back at that year, um, 
you know, they were that going into that year, there was plenty of positivity and it was that weird. I forget exactly how it ended with the Spurs and OKC. I don't know if the Spurs, you know, threw a game or may I shouldn't say threw a game, but um, had a little load management before it was a regular thing to end the year to play a different one. But yeah, that was different. I think, you know, as we've talked about a little bit before, um, I think this year, the big step that if the Blazers do want to take that next step, as Dame alluded to, I think it's going to come on the defensive end. And, you know, they both acknowledge, like Dame and CJ both acknowledged that last week. Um, and what they said was Dame, quote, I think me and CJ got to take the challenge more on defense. And CJ followed that with saying, um, quote, for us as a team, it's about the guards. The guards have to do better guarding. So that's myself and Dame. Um End quote. So I think, you know, Damon CJ, getting back to my first point, that, you know, they both, they're not out there talking. They're not doing a whole lot on social media, except for when they do, um, they're not messing around. And they, you know, try to stay, stay true to their word as they've gone back um, over the years, saying different things with when they hadn't won a playoff game in 2018. Uh, CJ tweeted back at the fan that they were trying. Um, and I think, you know, Dame obviously has the respect that he's gotten better each and every year. Um, but I think defensively like that, they've gotten better, as we alluded to last week with Robert Covington, Derek Jones. They've got some guys that can come in. But I think where it's really going to come down to the guards, as Dame and CJ mentioned, was in the rebounding. And rebounding, I think there's about three things that it comes down to, which is size, maintaining your matchups, and then somebody having a desire for that role or somebody that's going to go do it real well. And, um, you know, Pat Riley, I said, if you want to, if rebounds equals rings. So, you know, the size, I don't think that's going to be an issue. They've, you know, Hassan Whiteside was a loss at 13 rebounds. We'll get to that in a second. But I think the biggest thing that Dave and CJ talked about was maintaining their matches because when you get blown by on the perimeter, um, that leads to an easy layup, a dunk, weak side rebounds, maybe an alley-oop on the backside because in that rotation. So I think those guys were spot on saying it has to come with them from the perimeter and then buying into filling that role um, with Hassan Whiteside. I know he has obviously a variety of things that we didn't love with this game, but one thing he did do well and he led the Blazers and he averaged 13 rebounds last season was kind of that defensive center. Um, Covington and Jones together averaged 10 last year. Enos Cantor had coming in at seven and a half. So I think, you know, there's people there, but it's going to come down to the desire and which of those guys I think Zach Collins is going to take the next step in his game when he comes back. Um, but I, so, you know, I think the role is going to be filled. Like I said, it's going to start on the perimeter with Dave and CJ staying in front so we can stay out of those rotations. Certainly. And coming in on the defensive end, I think we've seen Damon CJ improve every year. Like they say they will. Um, you go back a few years and Damon Lillard's a defensive liability. Um, you look now and he's, he's going to be able to guard the point guard regardless of who it is. I have confidence in him too. Um, I did not have that confidence two years ago and CJ McCollum's Mr. Fundamentals. So, you know, every year he's going to get better at what he wants to get better at. If he's saying he's going to be better on defense, we can, we can predict that that's going to happen because he's a man of his word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing that needs to be mentioned as well, when it comes to defense is Robert, Robert Covington was defensive, uh, was on an all defensive team in 2018. Yeah. So yeah. having that elite guy that's going to, you know, who's going to be guarding the best player most of the time. But I think Damon CJ obviously um, are going to have, you know, as ro- rosters, rotations, foul troubles, things happen, they're going to take the yeah. matchups as they come. But having that elite, guy um in Robert Covington who's been an all NBA team. I, I'm so excited they got him just because last year, in all honesty, and I think it was evident, they had 
they had some young guys guarding Anthony Davis. Okay, they had Wenyan Gabriel stepping up, and he was holding his own until they took him off of Anthony Davis because they realized he was going to get cooked eventually. Um, I don't remember who they put on him after that, but I know there was no one to guard LeBron after getting rid of Harkless and Aminu. Um, they had to get rid of him. I think they were they were up for new contracts, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And um, Robert Covington stepping in, I trust him to guard LeBron James because he is one of those guys that at the three or four, you can put him on any three or four. Um, I wouldn't really put him on a center just because Nurkic and Zach Collins do good enough on centers. Um, but I'm excited to see him guard the three or four, which some teams, that's their most talented position. And um, even guys like Harrison Barnes, I was scared to see match up with the Blazers last year because they didn't really have anyone to guard him. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, having that one guy that can maybe set the tone, I think, yeah, Damon CJ realized that, that, you know, they, they're taking the next step. And if it's a focus and obviously you don't want to get taxed those guys, you know, tax Dame too much on the defensive end, just for the simple fact of he is going to be a guy that you're going to rely on to score 30 plus, uh, you know, on big game nights and because he is the superstar of the team. And I think last year really solidified that because, before that, I was, you know, torn between who was better, between Dame and CJ. And I think, you know, CJ is a great Robin, but Dame's definitely Batman. <laughs> you, you mean in general or just on the defensive end? Uh, in general. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and CJ is such a humble guy and Dame's such a humble guy. Sometimes they'll, they won't cap, you know what I mean? When they're playing, you can see it in their game. They know who's on fire and they're going to feed him the ball. That's why Dame averaged eight assists last year. A lot of them were to his man, CJ, and then that pick and roll with Nurkic when Nurkic came back and the bubble was elite. Um, and we didn't even see Nurkic at 100% last year. Very excited to see him once he recovers from his current um, setback, um, why he's missing the preseason and everything like that, which um, let me just take a look real quick at my notes here because I had, I had some notes on what's going on with Nurkic, you know what I mean? Um so basically, um, there was an article released by Rip City Project that talked about the three goals for him. Um, and one of those, obviously, um, that they put on there right at number one comes in. My notes aren't, <laughs> my notes aren't loading right now. Um, I apologize. But, you know, they listed the three goals and everything. And one of them is obviously his health. Um because he's just got to get healthy, and then the other the other will fall in line. You know what I mean? Um, I think he's proven that he's better than Plumlee, who he was traded for um, in the past, and uh, that he he can make a pass, can rebound, and he can rim protect. So it'll be be very exciting to see. And um, looking forward to the defensive end. Um, unlike last year, where they they were not in the top ten in defensive. Um, stats by any means other than with Hassan Whiteside and blocks. Mm -hmm. And now, so here's, here's my question on the defensive end is who's going to step up and how how, the pick and roll coverage. I mean, how do, how do we think that's going to look this year? Pick and roll on defense? Yeah, defensively. Because I think offensively they're going to be dangerous with Covington as a three and D guy. Absolutely. But Nurkic has never been known for his defensive prowess and fleet of foot. Um, Hassan Whiteside obviously leading uh, was you know with all the blocks last year, 
what I, I guess for me, the big concern is how are we going to be guarding those pick and rolls consistently? Um, because that is going to be a big thing. And obviously on the other end, they're equally as challenging with Dame, with his range, Nurk rolling, as you've, as you've mentioned. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen many a time where Damian Lillard gets beat on the pick and roll. Um, that is one of the weaknesses he's had in the past. But Dame is known to work on his weaknesses. Whereas I've seen years where first game right off the bat, I can already tell that's what he was working on in the summer. You know what I mean? Like the deeper and deeper threes every year. You can tell that's a focal point. His threes coming off of ball screens and off of away screens um, really show that he's trying to hit those J.J. Redick shots um, those, those at, a, at a high clip where he's coming off a screen and he's just popping as soon as he gets the ball. You know what I mean? stop and pop and just shots that he wasn't necessarily going for at the beginning of his career. He can hit it all now. Um, you know, there's not really a range <laughs> in 2K that they, they say that he can't hit from. There's no real cold ranges. Um, and he's a mid-range guy too. He's still got some mid-range shots that go in. And uh, CJ, of course, I'm sure they go off of each other in, in practices and, and get better from each other. Um, CJ is the, the mid-range maestro. Um, so I'm sure they learn from each other, but on the defensive end, I see, I see them relying on Covington to guard some fives. Unfortunately, I don't want to see him guarding fives this year, but I think he's going to have to till Nurkic is full strength. They might put Nurkic at the four, so he's not getting beat up. Um, that's my prediction anyway. And I think Covington can get around any screen because who he was guarding in practice last year was James Harden. I'm sure, um, that'd be a pretty solid matchup for them. James Harden would probably get a good workout from that. I would imagine Dan Tony running that if he had, you know, um, the expertise, having the expertise that he has, I'm sure that was a reality. Um, I'd be interested to look into it a bit more. It's just, you know, just something I'd make an educated guess on, but Robert Covington is someone I trust in the pick and roll to switch to his guy. Um, because as we saw him and PJ Tucker do carrying that defense the last few years, um, is, they switch like Draymond Green to make a, a little bit of a player comp on defense. They're not afraid to guard the two coming into a possession and then switch over to the four and then back to the two, whatever it takes to get the team to win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but here's my concern. If we're going to be switching all those pick and rolls, why would we set a pick and roll with Robert Covington involved? Oh, you're saying why switch Covington onto them? Well, why would I let him be involved in the pick and roll? If, if you're switching everything, that's not very hard. We saw how that worked. Um, well, who was that? The, I forget who in the playoffs. They switched everything, and it was basically just uh, let LeBron and AD get the matchup they won and then go, go downhill. I see what you're saying. I can see where that would be problematic. So who would you like to see on pick and rolls? I mean, well, you don't get a choice. I'm just curious how they're going to play it, um, whether they're going to sit back. You know, because Nurk coming back, I mean – I think Zach Collins, I don't know how they can get up and get even, but as, you know, and Dame has been a guy that, you know, Trent said it now, and I, uh, looking at stats, Trey Young leads the NBA now in those deep, deep threes. I want to touch on the point of when when do we start stepping in or letting somebody else shoot it as opposed yeah. to shooting those. But, I you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what coverage they go with. I don't know what Terry Stotts is going to do. I, I didn't catch much of the game. I've got Larry O'Brien, my puppy, was keeping me busy on Friday night. Um, so I didn't catch a lot of it, but I'd be curious to see what they're doing because um, that, you know, and maybe they're trying different things in the preseason. Like I said, I didn't get a chance to, to catch most yeah, of the I game. Focus, I focused on the offensive end, and I have some notes on that. We can talk about it in a bit. 
Um, but on the defensive end, I'll definitely have to take a closer look the next few games as they, they have their tune-ups. Um, and I believe this might actually be – so I'm seeing – looks like a three-game preseason. But then to come back to it, so on the offensive end, how – how well does Dame have to shoot it from that deep range before we, or, you know, before Terry Stotts wants him to start passing to Robert Covington at three and D guys, CJ, the, the mid range maestros, you said, how, what, what percentage does he have to shoot? Does he have to shoot a regular percentage? Does he need to shoot just below league average from regular three or where's the cutoff for you as a fan? Because he, as you know, he, he's very good all NBA player, no doubt about it, but, he's got other really good players around him. Um, and that's where I just question, what do you think? Yeah, I think Damian Lillard might be the hardest player to judge um, to answer your question from that, just because he plays like he's from, he's from, you know what I mean? Like he's from Oakland where, you know, they call him the letter O and everything. And he has this, he has this underdog mentality that he's going to make a shot that other guys can't make even though they're in the pros. You know what I mean? Like shots other guys would miss, he's going to make. And he's proven it time and time again that he can do that. So for him, I don't know if he gives a damn about stats. That's what I wonder about him. I'd be interested to hear his perspective on it one day, um, is how he feels about field goal percentage because he's taking shots that other guys hit at 20% and he hits them at 35. You know what I mean? So – but at the line, he shoots, what is it, about league average from regular three-point line? So you're looking at a guy who steps up to bat wanting to do better than other guys do, wanting to wanting not to prove himself because he's already done that, but wanting to, to display just his raw talent and hard work mixed together that he can hit those shots. So I would say I would say 40% from – the the hallway three-pointers you know what i mean like the ones that are at the end of the um blazers logo at the moda center would probably be where he he's been shooting them from i would trust him to keep making those i hope he doesn't go much further than that though just because i honestly as a fan i don't want to be seeing half court shots it's because that's where that's where um paul george would actually have an argument that it's a bad shot where he took that shot from against the thunder I'm totally happy with that shot because that's Damian's range. You know what I mean? Um, but if that's something he really has added to his repertoire, like he said, and he's always been a man of his word, I'll maybe trust a couple a game. You know what I mean? But no more than that. He can't be He can't be shooting 10 of those from, from there. But he did play very well against the Kings, and he did hit some deep threes. Mm-hmm. So here would be my question then to go one step more because you say that's a good shot. Um, that he hit now. Obviously, went in. He made. He's shown his range is out there. But to go devil's advocate, if he misses that shot and CJ had twenty that night and Covington had another twenty five, um, and he shoots that as our last second, we lose by one. Is our you know, or we go you know lose by three, no shot at overtime. How are you feeling about that on the ride home? Yeah, devastated. <laughs> Thinking about, you know, the basketball um, mind in my head where I'm just kind of like, and, you know, I'd love to coach one day as well, like you do. Um, I just, I love thinking about, like, what's our best chance at winning? You know what I mean? In a high-pressure situation like that, of course you want the rock in Dame's hand. But 
I would want The Rock in his hands on a pick and roll with Nurkic where he takes one of those beautiful layups. You know what I mean? In that situation. Um, I was laughing when he hit that shot because I was like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, talk about a dagger, but talk about like a high pressure shot to hit. And I, I would trust him over Luka. I would trust him over Steph Curry, honestly, to hit a clutch shot. Obviously, Steph Curry plays four quarters um, healthy at an MVP level that sometimes, you know, I would say he's better than Dame at. But there are other situations where I say Dame is better. You know what I mean? So, well, just a couple I notes. I prefer to lay up. <laughs> as, 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 you are, as you start to throw out Steph Curry, looking at percentage, and I would agree, like, you know, stats are interesting. I think they show some, but not everything. But Steph Curry's shooting almost 40, 44% from – he's shooting 43.5% from three. And Dame, um, his career three-point percentage is 37.3. Yeah. And Steph practices those shots from the hallway, like literal hallway from the from the locker rooms heading out. Um, that's something that I think – I don't think Damian Lillard would do it because he takes the game – I think he takes the game more seriously than Steph Curry does. I really do. Because Steph Curry, like his family plays, they're clowning around and stuff. I know he takes the game seriously and he's an MVP caliber player. But Damian Lillard is no joke. Like he fucking shows up. And start to finish, he's got his game face on. He's focused. Um, and Steph Curry does the shimmy. Damian Lillard just points to his wrist. Like, he's just like, look at what I'm doing. He's not trying to show off after the fact. He's saying, look what I just did. You know what I mean? Um, and you're never going to see him throw up the three like Nick Young after a play. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I would take a layup. Gotcha. I mean, easy on that. Easy on the Steph slander. I know this is a Trailblazer podcast, but <laughs> let's not let the uh, let's not yeah, let our memory well, fool us I'll here on who started who who started shooting those three threes first and who was doing the things between the legs, step back, and all that. Um, yeah. The first year they made to the finals, um, and MVP not an MVP caliber player. He's an MVP. Oh yeah, absolutely. Only thing I take Dame over Steph on with dribbling is the crossover. I just love Dame's crossover. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. How do you think the second unit is going to compete and compare to those of other teams, um, obviously Mello has made the move to the bench. Or to come, I shouldn't say move to the bench. He's made the move to be the sex man coming off in hopefully a Lou Will-esque role. I think seeing what Carmelo was able to do. Um, did you did you watch the Lakers series as a whole last year? Of course. So, do you could you refresh my memory because I don't want to get this wrong. 
didn't Carmelo get guarded by LeBron quite a bit? Yes. So what he was able to do against LeBron when they were in crunch time, when they needed to win, which they did win that first one, but it was a dog fight that series, most games, um, except the one, you know, the few where they got blown out, you know, they didn't have Dame for game five, but still probably would have lost the series just because they were, they were kind of down and out. You could tell their morale wasn't there at the end, I believe. Not having their guy, Evan Turner, I think hurt them off the bench last year because he was the guy who brought that spark off the bench, came in, was like the guy you would rely on to get a pass, score, or assist. Um, or sorry, a pass, score, or rebound. Um, being the player he is, being a, being a stat pat, not a stat patter. I would never call Evan Turner a stat patter. But being someone who puts up a nice stat line, you know what I mean? He's not going to get you 30, but he's going to get you 10 10, 5, and 4, which is great. And they didn't they they didn't really have someone like that coming off the bench last year. It was a lot of young guys. Um, and sometimes Hassan would come in off the bench when Nurkis was healthy. I think Carmelo coming off the bench gives them someone at six man who can perform at a starter level off the bench. He hasn't really dropped off from last year. If anything, it looks like he's even more hungry for a ring. Last year seemed like a trial period till the playoffs. And now it seems like it's game over. It seems like we got we got Hoodie Mello coming out. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see Gary Trent Jr. step up because he seems to be getting better exponentially every year. I think this is the year where we see him averaging more than 10 a game off the bench um, and getting solid minutes, not just because, you know, CJ was facing his back injury um, and they, they didn't have Rodney Hood. I think – it's going to be a dogfight for minutes at the guard position, at the two guard and the three and for the forwards. Um, but to answer your question, I'm excited on the offensive end just to see that bench in general um, because they got some guys that could start on most teams. You know what I mean? Um, I think this is the best bench they've had since uh, Seth Curry was running it a couple years back, and I'm excited to see it. What, what say you on the, on, uh, the bench? I think, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty much along the way. I think Melo, I think he, you know, he was a late season, like right around the trade deadline, or he got picked up mid-year um, after he got waived by the Rockets or OKC. Yeah. I forget who his old previous team was. And once he got there, obviously, you know, when when you haven't been playing NBA basketball, the only way to get in NBA basketball shape is to play NBA basketball. Um, and obviously, he got himself in shape. I think the bubble was to his benefit. Um, in terms of he had that extra time off, I think he's coming back. I think I would echo the part that he's hungry. I think he's looking at his legacy. If he was in that same draft class with Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and you know, oh, yeah. stat wise, he's he's right in there with him. He just hasn't had the the success, especially in the playoffs. Um, Truth be told, he hasn't had the support of a team. Correct. So I think he's you know not, I don't think by any stretch I'm not going to throw he's ring chasing by any means because he oh. joined the Portland Trailblazers who. You know, they made it to the Western Conference Finals the previous year, but they got swept. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, I think he's looking at he could be that game changer that takes him over, uh, takes him to the next level. I think, obviously, um, the Lakers are going to be tough. I'm very curious to see how the Clippers are going to be with Paul George just re-signing that big deal um, with Ty Lue as the coach. I'm interested to see how Golden State is with Steph and their crew this year, unfortunately, without Clay. But I still think they're going to be very, very competitive. Um, I'm a Steph Curry fan in terms of he's Certainly. you know absolute bucket getter. And James Wiseman is 
is, is Godzilla. Yeah, so I think I think it's going to be a dog like you were saying. It's a dogfight for minutes. I think the, where the Blazers have the most excitement is their bench and their depth. Um, yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about it to the kid Anthony Simons, who he played has played well in spurts when he's gotten yeah. minutes. Gary Trent Jr. played extremely well in the bubble last year. Yeah, and I think the only reason that they um, that they played Gary Trent Jr. more than Anthony Simons is because Gary Trent Jr. played at the collegiate level for. I believe more than a year. Is that correct? Maybe three? Uh, good question. We'll have to talk to the research guy. Um, but right. yeah, like I'm just curious, you know, if how it's going to work out as the year is going to go. Um, if Anthony Simons doesn't get those minutes um, or if he does play his way into a role because they're looking at a similar situation with um, Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons as they had with Will Barton and C.J. McCollum. Um, if you recall, what was that, three or four years ago when they you, you know, obviously kept C.J. and Will went and had a bigger role in Denver um, yeah. as part of their success. So I'm curious because they do have that depth and so hopefully, knock on wood, they will stay um, healthy all year because I think that you know that's the best for the Blazers. That's best for the basketball and the NBA in general. Um, and as a fan, even though we can't go to the games, still tuning in is going to be great. And you want to see all the best players. You know, KD coming back, all the things we've talked about before. Um, the health is going to be extremely important. But um, I'm curious to see how the mental health, as you know, the preseason started. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, because we had the bubble and, you know, different guys have been on all the different various podcasts talking about what it was like in there and how challenging it was without your family. Friend. Yeah. And so it's going to be very curious to see now how there's no bubble, but there's still no fans. Um, yeah. Just watching, you know, a few of the preseason games as they've been on, it looks different. Um like I mentioned in the opening, just to, you know, live so close to the Moda Center and go by it regularly to not, you know, and to know obviously I've gone to games for the previous five years there yeah. um, to now you're watching games. but it, So it's just going to be unique. I guess, what, 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 you know, when you're seeing the game, you know, when you watch the game on Friday night, what just from the perspective of a fan, like what, what things did you notice? Is there things you liked? Um, I noticed the plexiglass was different, kind of separating all the different players. Yeah, I it threw me off that it's not within the confines of just a gym with like you know under fifty close family and friends watching the game. Um, they're not are they allowed to have anyone there now? I don't think so. Yeah, so it's going to be wild. Hopefully they hopefully they don't go weeks months without seeing their family like some of the guys did. Or you're going to have guys sneaking out and you know doing shit they're not supposed to like they did last time just to see their families, man. And I I hope that they figure out a fix for it because seeing your family on FaceTime just isn't the same. Well, no, they're going to be doing tests and they can still see their family and whatnot. But I meant without the fans. It's going to be... Yeah, no, without the fans at Moda Center, that huge room. You know what? Honestly, I think that's where Carmelo's leadership... I think Carmelo is a type of guy like Dame who he's a little bit more experienced than Dame especially, but he's the type of guy... It could probably play in any situation. You know what I mean? Like Rucker Park, he's a bucket like KD. Um, he's playing street ball. He's playing whatever. He's just trying to get runs in. And he's going to be the type of leader, I think, that can will them through this. And I think we're going to see um, someone who is honored and humbled by Dame and CJ saying how he belongs on a team and then helping him get a spot on the team. You know what I mean? Like pulling for that. Um, you didn't see that with other teams and you didn't see anyone offering him a starting role last year. And I think that was 
a big part. I remember um, he said he didn't want to come off the bench, and he got on a playoff team that didn't make him come off the bench. But now it's like, all right, if you really want to, you really want to dial in and get this team to a championship caliber, you're going to be our sixth man, and you're going to be one of the best damn six men in the league. So you know what I mean? Like that's a transition I'm excited to see because not many stars. Um, right off into the sunset after a six-man tenure. You know what I mean? Um, they usually try to end it as a starter like Dwayne Wade. Um, but Carmelo Carmelo has kind of grown in the sense that he's willing to come off the bench, and I think he's going to be a leader in that role. And and how that ties into the you no know, fans, um, I, think, I think Carmelo is one of the guys like LeBron um, – who had Kobe's respect for having that Mamba attack mentality. You know what I mean? And I think you put him on any court in this world, he's going to be one of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just am curious to see as, you know, as the year goes on, hopefully this COVID with the vaccine, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to give any sort of perspective. <laughs> I'm just hoping at some point fans can be there. Um, I think them seeing their family is going to be helpful, but I think, you know, Obviously, last year there was no home court advantage. I'm curious to see how the yeah. home court advantage, because you, you are sleeping in your own bed there. Yeah, I think players are going to like seeing their home courts, especially um, I saw the Cavs' new court. I don't know if you saw that at all. Um, but some teams are getting these like fancier courts um, again this year. Cavs are known for getting the wine and gold in the fancier courts the last few years, especially with LeBron's tenure. But I think we're going to see teams really take pride in and Portland has their new – how do you say it about the state? I always pronounce the state name wrong. I don't want to do it anymore. Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, I, I've said Oregon my whole life, bro. <laughs> the Oregon Ducks. Ew. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Oregon. Those Oregon jerseys, I think they're going to really take pride in those. Um, I know coming from a small town, Newfane, New York, um, when I played and then a few years later actually – um, the teams had a lot better morale in one category, and that was um, getting a new court and then getting new jerseys, like Nike jerseys after we had, like, we had, like, Starter or, like, some brand that I was like, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, they got Nike. Kids had to pay for them, of course, because they were mad expensive for new jerseys and new designs and everything, I think. Um, I could be wrong on that. The school could have paid for them. I just assumed for a small town, like a lot of the schools, like when I played lacrosse, would have to, you know, buy the jerseys. And anyways, point being, these jerseys, like, they were hot. And, like, just like the Oregon jerseys, I think even though they're at a much higher level, they're going to really, really play for the city. Like, Dame always puts Rip City on his back. Hashtag Rip City on the ass is my favorite hashtag to ever exist that he puts on pictures. And... Um, I see him really putting the city on his back like he's done his whole career. Um, you know what I mean? And with these fans, it is absolutely like you're saying, going to make a difference. It's going to be, you're going to be hearing shit you couldn't hear before. There might be some fights. Um, I don't want there to be fights because I don't want none of the Blazers getting kicked out, but it's going to be interesting to see. And I think Portland has the playoff experience to know they have to get through a weird regular season that they've that they didn't experience last year because it was just 10 games, a full 72 game fingers crossed. They get through it before COVID, you know, spikes to a point where they have to cancel it. God forbid. But I think they're going to play at a clip 
um, where they take it one game at a time like they took the bubble. And if Dame leads this team like he led in the bubble, like we're not showing up unless we can win, I see them as the three seed. I see them really, really playing in the bubble um, for the Moda Center, really playing the same way they played in the bubble, which is not taking anything for granted um, and doing it for the fans watching at home. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it will be. It'll be interesting, as you mentioned, to see when when there's things being said because um, it is 16 technicals, and then there's a suspension, and we saw that in the bubble where players without fans there, the referees hear more, the coaches, obviously things you would have obviously when there's fans in the stands, you can say disagree with the call with your back turn, and the official doesn't hear it, and it's fine, that's your way to vent, and there's no T. But obviously, when there's no when there's no one there present, it's just your teammates and it's silent. You you know you give the ref a little piece. You might even your back's turned. He's still going to hear it. Um, I I'm it'll be curious to see where where the technical numbers go. Um, and how that adjustment goes. Um, without fans being there. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And speaking of non-bubble, um, you're a big 2K guy. How do these Blazers <laughs> stack up to Blazers of previous years on 2K? Dude, I'm pissed. <laughs> they got CJ and Nurkic at an 84 overall. What should he be? I think CJ should be an 87 or 88. Um, and I think Nurkic should be um, at least an 87. But after this season, man, I think Nurkic could be a 90 if he's healthy all year because he's I can, I'm hard-pressed to find a center who goes as hard as he does in the West. I mean, I, I count Anthony Davis as a center, obviously. So there's him as number one. Nurkic doesn't come close to Anthony Davis yet or anything like that until Anthony Davis is, like, long past his prime. But I think Nurkic is there with, you know, the Przingises and guys of that caliber in that, like, in that like lower first tier that he could get an all-star bid this year. And you can't have an all-star in the West and have him below an 87 overall. You just can't with how stacked they are. Well, I'd say he's definitely behind my guy Jokic. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, Jokic. Jokic is the probably the best true center in the league, I would say. Um, and I put Carl Anthony Towns up there in the West as well. Um, but Cat hasn't really proven much the past few years. Um, he had he had a great start to his career, and he seems to be getting better. But he doesn't seem to have that, you know what I mean? Like, there are guys that are so loved by their team that they just boost the morale with their smile. And that's what Nurkic brings. Like, how crushing it was. You felt the energy leave the arena when he got hurt against the Nets, the the injury that really has set him back. You know what I mean? And um, I honestly, no no disrespect to Cat, I love him. But if you saw Cat get hurt, I think they would just kind of, like, shrug and move on. Just because... As a franchise, the Minnesota Timberwolves just just don't really – they haven't really found their guy yet. And I think for Portland, they, they find a new guy who contributes to the team like an all-star um, every couple years. You know what I mean? You had Dame and then CJ emerged and now Nurkic is emerging. Um, I'm interested to see who the next guy up is going to be, you know what I mean, at any position. Um I think personally that it will be um, Zach Collins. I think he'll be the fourth guy up, um, even with adding Covington. I just I'm a big I'm a big Zach Collins guy because 
he just he just does everything you want a player to do. You know what I mean? And he doesn't ask questions about it. Oh, you're just get, you're getting all the Blazer Nation uh, love here. <laughs> Another Pacific Northwest guy from Gonzaga. They'll just be loving yes, you. I mean, I don't know. Cat is going through a lot, losing his mom, and I think he just yeah. lost another family member as well. So we'll be curious. Yeah. And, I mean, the Timberwolves have, have, have had a history of not exactly doing stellar in the draft. Um, yeah. When they drafted Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio and one of their point guard all in the same year when they had three lottery picks. Yeah. I know guys who have guarded Johnny Flynn because he's from, he's from my county. He, he was a bucket, but I don't <laughs> – the hip injury was tough, man. He was killing at Syracuse. Um, he yeah. injured that hip, and I don't think he, you know, when you're an explosive, undersized guy, and yeah. they rushed him back a little bit. That's what happened to IT too, man. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think there's a lot as the Blazers, but so who is who's who are the best? Uh, so if you're all NBA, do you automatically get in the '90s on 2K? Because I'm not going to act like I've played a game of 2K since like 2009. All NBA, yeah, you got to be a '90 man because. Um, like in the West for guards, there's not much after like, like who made it last year? Dame, uh, Luca, and after that in the West, I mean you're looking at guys that are getting older. Um, they've they've kind of been in their prime for a while. You know what I mean at guards. Um, someone like James Harden, who is obviously amazing, but is like a 96 in 2K, and he's like one of the you know, one of the guys that's at guard. And then after that, there's just a tremendous drop-off. Um, Russell Westbrook, I believe, was like a 91 overall. Um, and, of course, an all-star caliber player. But um, here I'll run through the uh, guards. Uh, let's go guards, all-NBA guards from last year. And James Harden, or James Harden as a uh, – James Harden as guard, Luke as a guard. They have uh, your boy LeBron as a forward, which he, he's one through five. Uh, Dame, second team All-NBA. And then Chris Paul as the other guard, second team All-NBA. Third team, is it Jamal Murray? No, Russell Westbrook Damn. and uh, Damn. Ben Simmons. Yeah, I don't. Re- I, I stopped paying attention to a lot of the awards when they kept snubbing Dame like a few years back. And I was just like, this is whack. You know what I mean? And, like, Mike Conley has never made an all-star game. He doesn't deserve to now. But, like, back in the day with the Grizzlies. And um, for t- to get back to your question about 2K ratings, Jamal Murray has got to be up there. You know what I mean? Um, he's higher than CJ, I think. Let me let me take a look just because I, I love looking at this stuff. I know you're not a 2K guy. Uh, maybe you'll become a 2K guy when they make the game a little better because right now it, it's <laughs> – it's kind of subpar, like the graphics and stuff. No, no disrespect to the new gen consoles, but I don't think they're going to be great games until like two to three years in. Seemed like they rushed them. Um, but Jamal Murray, two K rating, as of right now, sits at uh, eighty seven. Now, I don't know. I'm pretty sure CJ put the team on his back and beat the Nuggets, who were relying on Jamal and Jokic without Nurkic. And I think CJ deserves some more credit than an 84 for that. You know what I mean? Well, I would say Jamal Murray in the bubble the most recent year. Is more than an 87. Yeah, yeah. If he if he competes at that clip, it's going to be bonkers. It's going to be a West. But I've heard, I've heard some speculation that the, that the Nuggets losing uh, Grant 
might, you know, impact their standing very significantly. Um, because they didn't really pick many guys up in free agency. Well, but they all they they re-signed. Um, yeah. Who's their bat? The Iowa State guard. They re-signed. They got the guy, the kid from Missouri, Michael Porter Jr. Um, and he played well in spurts. They got Bull yeah. Bull, who played well in one game. So I think they've got guy. I mean. I'm not going to act like I know a whole lot about Jeremy Grant's game. I know he's bounced around a little bit. I do know he yeah. chose to go. He's excited for the Piston uh, to be joining the Pistons, which, yeah. shoot, I mean, in the East, I'd be excited to get out of the West as well. And I think they got Derrick Rose. They got Blake Griffin up in Detroit. They've got a solid little, you know, I don't know. They've got they've got some talent at least, um, and they'll go from there. I know they really like their guy that they got in the draft. But um, how did yeah. C.J. Ellaby play on Friday? He he got some minutes, man. Um, he got some minutes. Let me take a look at his his clips here. Got you. Oh, before we move off of two K, somebody wants to get you get the smoke on the sticks. What's your what's your gamer tag? <laughs> Ichabod to God. I C H A B O D D A G O D. All one word. Ichabod to God. Um, my picture is for Ichabod Crane pulling mad honeys. Ooh, okay. And um, and what are you playing on? Are you playing on Xbox? Are you playing on PS Seven or what? I refuse to get the new systems for at least a year. Okay. So one more time for the people, hit them with the gamer tag and console. Ichabod to God. All right, and then the game from Friday night. Got to go back into the archives a little bit because good old ESPN on their top stat line only goes back a day. Um. Not a huge fan of ESPN lately just because they don't have the Blazers making the playoffs this year in a lot of their predictions, which I think is whack. You got to go with a team that made it, is it seven or eight years running? I think it's seven. Um, and got better over the offseason. Got healthier. You got to go with the team. You got to like their odds. But LB had four points and four rebounds. Didn't hit any threes, but... You got to expect that going into a league where the three-point line is significantly further back. And uh, he, he was aggressive. He got three personal fouls. I don't mind seeing that from a rookie. Yeah, yeah. well, and he's not going to be getting much burn anyway, so I was just kind of curious how he looked. Yeah. Harry Giles had 18 and 14. Be good, man. If he could stay healthy. I remember when they played at the uh, – they had the uh, – what's the – Nike game that's here. The hoop when they had the hoop summit, yeah, hoop summit when that was here, man. He was, I saw, got, I had the opportunity to watch them practice, man. He was boy amongst men. Obviously, that's three or four years ago and a couple injuries. Um, but man, if he could stay healthy, he he's definitely a problem and more than capable and would be a big time. I like I like him at the four coming off the bench. I think he's one of the best bench fours that you could have because it really isn't a deep power forward. Um, you know, vault to go after in this league anymore. The the days of Zach Randolph are over. Yeah, player movement has definitely changed the game. Um, and the guy that just posts up, I mean, those are those are rare. I mean, Jokic is probably the truest center as you as you mentioned earlier. Um, that there is in the NBA, and when he pat, you know, he posts, he still catch faces up and then he'll attack. Um, Carmelo post there, get there in a little mid post, and then go to work. But the day yeah. of the guy going and sitting, um, sitting down on the post, that those unfortunate, well, currently are kind of not there. The game wise trends, so 
who knows, maybe teams that can't shoot threes will start to say, hey, we're going to slow this thing down and see if we can get some more posts up like they used to have back in the 90s. Yes, sir. With yes, Tim sir. Duncan and back when San Antonio had it rolling. The days of Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman coming up, hopefully. So last last question I got to ask if you saw what Damian Lillard said on Kyrie's Instagram Live video. No, catch me up. What he say? He said, "Kai, bro, do your media sessions." <laughs> Shoot, man, I'm I don't know anything about Kyrie. Obviously, the nope. thing that the thing with he number one, he I think he's he's never talked to the media a whole lot. I know he donated a bunch of money and he's done a lot of great things. Um, but I think where. In LeBron early didn't do a whole lot of media, if I'm correct. But when he went to Miami, he started doing, I think he saw the power in it. Um, yeah. And hey, man, if Kyrie wants to spend those money, you know, writing those checks, he better make sure he's got a couple of extra pens because those NBA fines, I mean, 72 games, you get, you got to speak to the media after every game as part of most part of every contract, to my understanding, the NBA. So he's going to be, you know, writing a lot of money. And like I said, I know he donated a lot of money for the WNBA. He's done some really good things. I think it's just yeah. unfortunate um, that he's going to have to say he's going to spend all that money going to the NBA where, you know, he could at least pull beast mode and just say, I'm, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Um, you know, or just go out and talk. I mean, we saw guys in the bubble um, going and, you know, you can control the narrative to a certain extent if you're the one talking, you know, just similar to if I ask you a question you don't want to answer, you can deflect and kind of say whatever you want to say. I'm not going to yeah, rudely right. interrupt you. And so, you know, somebody could ask him about this, that, and the third, and he could deflect or say, well, actually, like, I did this, and then go on about this is why I don't. So you're saying, you're saying that he could probably handle it better? Well, I'm just thinking, I mean, y- when you – and you don't he like I said he does not need to defend yeah, himself. He can show up and opt out rather than not show up at all. Well, or just like you can go or not. I mean, I don't know what the minimum requirement is. I think it's just on game days. I, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not an agent, nor do I know anyone that is. But as a casual fan that reads and tries to figure out, you know, and I've never understood what Kyrie's done. I mean, he's gone flat earth. <laughs> like, he's done a lot of stuff, but I do know he's wildly popular. I know Uncle Drew when he was doing that with Pepsi Max. Like, that's kind of how I knew who I was. Who he was. Yeah. I, you know, but I, one other Kyrie Irving said, I will say, is he's never had a winning record in the NBA without uh-huh. LeBron James on his team. Um, yeah. When he was with Boston, when he didn't, when he was playing, when he was active and not injured, they had a losing record with him. Yeah, man, I don't know what's up because I, I put him in the top three with, with point guards right now. I'm not counting Luca as a point guard because he kind of does it all at point guard and shooting guard. But yeah, man, I put him right up there with Steph and Dame as far as clutch. You know what I mean? But as far as regular season goes, he just he need this. This might be the year that he is a completely different player. It might be the year where you see the same old Kyrie. I'd be interested to see. There's a lot of storylines going into the season, man. Well, like like I said, I just think if Kyrie's going to opt not to, the media's going to say what they're going to say, right? And so if they're going to do that, and you're in once again, you don't have to defend yourself. Um, but to not be able not go and say anything and just let him say whatever you want, I would assume that's pretty frustrating, and that's a chosen frustration. So maybe it doesn't bother him at all. 
Um, similar to Ka- Kawhi, who doesn't do anything and just kind of is what he yeah. is. Yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think much phases Kyrie because he meditates a lot and he he believes in like um, you know practicing spirituality and things like that. Um, only like only guy that I really think like mastered you know spirituality and everything would be um, uh, what's his name from the he was with the Rockets. He was really good, Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, he was he was Muslim and he he practiced um, prayer and all of the pillars of Islam and you just saw that guy he always had a smile on his face he was always grounded um, that's kind of how Kyrie is you know so he says some things he says some things out of pocket here and there that get him in trouble like um, I I'm just referring to last year when he's he was like saying who the got the key guys were on the Nets and he left like Paris Levert or somebody like that out of it and it's like. You can't be leaving out one of your main guys, man, because they're gonna they're gonna be pissed. And uh, some of that stuff's out of pocket, but he seems like he's very grounded himself. And that sometimes the media is portraying him as this like awkward guy just because he won't talk to them. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think if he talked, he actually has a lot of intelligent ideas, just like the rest of the NBA. And it kind of goes hand in hand with LeBron's um, LeBron's you know documentary, Shut Up and Dribble. Um, because that's, that's actually like what some politicians were saying about him when he spoke up about politics. And it's like NBA players are very intelligent players, very intelligent human beings. Even when they only go to college for one year, that's more than the average person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're still very bright individuals and, um, it doesn't really matter what their grades were in college. They can still be well read but they're going to put basketball first because they're trying to go league. You know what I mean? So I just, I just wish there was more respect on Kyrie's name because his and Dame's shoes are the only shoes I ball in. And I think he's a beautiful. Yeah. Well, I will go on the record saying I think Kyrie's overrated and I think you're capping it. He's top three. I wouldn't put him in the top five. Yeah. I think he's got a lot of. People don't think you're dumb like me. (laughs) Well, I'm just not like I like I said, I'll hit, Kyrie hasn't had a winning record without yeah. LeBron on his team, and he played however many games in college as a coach and as somebody that respects the game. I think he's a guy that, has, like I said, he's very popular. He's done a lot of good stuff as far as donation-wise, but I think he's – when you're not a winner, it's really hard for me as a person that's competitive. Like, he's got a lot of stuff, and he's got his own shoes, and he was the all-star MVP. He's done a whole lot, but what has he done for me right Lately, other than messed up a really good Celtics team, Ben Petty with LeBron, like heard a Nets team last year being kind of a ball hog, but hey, like I said, I don't know, I don't have any ill will towards him, but I'm not going to go out there capping like you are saying he should be top three, <laughs> and I don't, and I will not wear his shoes. Um, so anyway, that's a Kyrie rant for you. No, no, I'm glad to have it, man, because on this podcast we bring the diversity of opinions. That's what I like. I don't, I don't want it to be this, like, I don't want it to be, like, you know, <laughs> the product that you see the most on TV, which is a guy just, like, yelling about something. Like, we actually have content and stats to back up our points, and that's what I think NBA podcasting should be, and that's, that's our goal here. We talked about it when we, you know, when we were looking at me joining the, the Hoopheads Pod Network. And then when you joined Blazing the Path on the Hoopheads Pod Network, um, the conversations we had were focused on just really covering a team um, at this current time. Who knows what the future holds for us? Um, 
but it's just really exciting. I don't maybe you feel the same way to really get into this and not just beat the same old dead horse of the goat conversation like you see on TV. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, just having the nuanced perspective is going to be and just be, you know, understanding as a casual fan, there's only so much in that, you know, try to be objective about the player um, and the person is what they are. I mean, if I, I'm not going to try to speak ill will on anybody I don't personally know. I'm going to try to keep it as much as, you know, here's what I've read, here's what I've seen. And here's how they hoop. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so if somebody will, any questions, how do they get a hold of you of us here, Rob? So they can reach us at Blazing the Path on Instagram and Twitter, as well as Blazing the Path one on Facebook. Um, podcast posts on our Instagram and Twitter page will soon have the tags on there so you can find us um, and then find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Captivate, pretty much any darn place you get your podcasts, you can find us. Yeah, make sure you hit that subscribe button as well after you find us because, yeah, we're on the come up right now. So make sure you hit subscribe so you're catching all those new episodes. What's your personal IG if somebody wants to power move into the DMs um, or your Twitter? Your boy Rob Heth 12, Y-A-B-O-Y-R-O-B-H-E-T-H 12. A lot of people think there's an A in my last name. You put an A in there, you ain't going to find me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And if you've got anything, you got Kyrie take, get at me on Twitter, Coach J Lincoln. Um, I rarely tweet, but I'm always reading. So if you have questions, comments, anything, make sure you've hit that subscribe button on the Hoopheads Pod Network, specifically Blazing the Path. And then catch your boy Ichabod the God on the sticks. Um, letting, you know, fans make sure, especially if you play, make sure you tweet win or loss. So yeah, keep it a buck, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for joining as always, Joel. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thanks for tuning in to Blazing the Path, a Portland Trailblazers podcast hosted by Rob Hetherington. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for weekly episodes.